Welcome to Sunday evening worship here at Broadway. So glad to be be with you. Today is Palm Sunday. We're uh, on a Sunday evening worship service here. First Sunday in April at church. We're going through the book of Proverbs as well. So we have a very special guest here with us tonight. Before we get into our scripture, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. That's tonight's message. But Zach Bauer is here with us this evening. I want to invite Zach to come up here on the stage. He's going to share with us some good things going on. Uh, share some scripture as well as uh, pray with us. Zach? Good evening, church. Uh, uh, I hope you all are doing well during this time. I want to bring to you an update from the student ministry and read and pray over you and pray as a church uh, together. So uh, currently, obviously, things are very different right now for student ministry in lots of ways. So uh, what we're doing in the meantime is uh, we've started doing weekly videos uh, for our Wednesday nights uh, where I lead us in a devotion about 10 to 15 minutes long. And uh, actually this past Wednesday, uh, we're going to do our first live youth group. So, um, you know, that's exciting. And I think the, uh, the response to that uh, was really good. So uh, thankful for that. Uh, we've been sending out our Sunday school curriculum as well. So all of our parents and students have that in advance. They can work through uh, that during this time, and they'll be receiving those every Saturday. I'll be sending those out. Uh, another thing I'm doing is writing letters. So from uh, just encouraging letters to our students, and also I, I, I've written uh, scholarship recommendation letters as well. So uh, finding things to encourage our students and do and, and find things to serve them and their families. Uh, and, and another thing, lastly, we are currently working uh, on and towards partnering with the school to uh, help with, uh, with feeding students who need help and assistance. So uh, if you think you would maybe want to help or volunteer or be available for that, please reach out to me uh, because that is a great way uh, for you to serve during this time because there are people in need and, and that is such a, a wonderful way where we can serve the community and serve those in need during this time. So so uh, thank you. Thank you for your continued support of our ministry. And uh, you know, while things are different, we are excited about coming out on the other end of this and the things for the student ministry this summer. So uh, with that said, I'd like to read from Proverbs uh, chapter 5, verse 21. For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time today. We thank you for your word sustaining us, that you give us life and breath and everything. Lord, and at all times and all circumstances that we would give thanks, and uh, at all times and all circumstances, Lord, we'd find ways to serve others and to love uh, people in our community and to share the good news of Christ in all that we do. Uh, Lord, we give you uh, praise, and may our hearts be focused upon you, and may this time be a time of revival in our hearts and a time of revival uh, for those who do not know you. So we pray that the gospel message would continue to work in power all across our community. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Thank you so much. That's exciting testimonies, sharing about what, how things are still going they're in the student ministry. And if you do need a scholarship recommendation, Zach would be happy to write you one there. That's certainly uh, encouraging. That's certainly needed as well. But anyway, um, you know, he read that scripture there from the book of Proverbs. Today is the 5th of April. So we are reading through as a church family the book of Proverbs. So that scripture he read was Proverbs 5.21. And that's certainly one that reminds us that God's ways are very they're before us 
So, or God is aware of our decisions and all, all of our past. So, I actually want to read another proverb here. I think we have it up here on the board before I turn into um, Acts chapter 17. But we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 17. And this proverb speaks very much truth to what we're about to see. There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. That phrase there, endless talk. Endless talk is idleness. This is being a busy body. This is just sitting around, doing stuff, doing things, and just not really seeing any purpose or any other greater meaning. You know, um, I remember I've been, um, I've been to Central and South America three times. I've been to Brazil, Peru, and Panama, and one, one trip each. Those were my Latin American experiences. And in all three of those countries, especially Brazil, they, I mean, everywhere you go, you see it. What do you see? This here's a soccer ball. I know we're not playing sports right now. They love soccer. You drive by, you're, we're on a bus, and what are the children doing? I mean, if there's, if, if there's any little square inch of land, they're going to be playing soccer. You're walking down the street, and people are just, they're carrying, sorry, it's like a football. They're carrying these things with them. Everywhere they go, they've got their soccer ball with them. And, or they're playing soccer. I mean, it's just the, it's the national, it's like a national sport. And it's, uh, and it's very exciting and you can even get, uh, swept up into it. I remember when I was there in Peru, um, the, uh, this was back in what, 2015, the Copa uh, tournament was going on there, that Central and South American tournament. And the, um, um, we were in one of the matches was being played. And I remember watching, the Peruvian, match, uh, Peruvian national team play the game. But what was powerful about it is they said uh, whenever the national team plays, the whole town of Lima will be shut down. They were not lying. It's like the coronavirus. It just shut down everything. The place was a ghost town. Everyone's glued to their TV watching soccer. What we're about to see right here in the scriptures, in, the, in um, Acts chapter 17. In fact, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter 17. Because we're going to see when Paul goes into Athens, all the people did is they sat around and they talked about the newest idea. They're just talking and sharing. And it's just kind of like endless talk. And just like that Bible verse we read there out of Proverbs 14, 23, there is profit in all hard work, but endless talk only leads to poverty. The folks in Athens, they were just doing this endless talk and not being very productive. And I think for us as believers and what Paul wants to be able to teach us and what God's going to message for us tonight is we have to say, am I, am I living like I live in Athens 2,000 years ago? Where folks are sitting around talking and following politics and following Hollywood or doing whatever they do, watching movies, but when it comes down to it, there's just very little actual uh, pro productivity work for the Lord that's being done. So open up your Bibles here. Acts chapter 17. 
verse 16. But before we look at our Bibles, let's look at our map. We're going to look at our map here. So here's where we're at. We were on, this is part, we're going through on Sunday nights, Paul's second missionary journey. And what happened here is he was in this little area called Berea. But he had to leave Berea because the folks in Thessalonica, this is in uh, Greece, they ran him out of the town. They came down from Thessalonica to Berea and he had to leave. But remember, Paul was traveling with Timothy and Silas. But he had to leave, so he hopped in a boat here and he sailed down here into the Aegean Sea and he came over here to Athens. And he landed in Athens and he's, kind of, he's alone at this point. He's kind of looking around at the city and he thinks, wow, well this is different. This is interesting. This is unique. And that's what we're going to pick up and that's what we're going to see here this evening about, um, about this. And he's going to get an opportunity to share the gospel. So this is where we're at. We're moving right along. We're in Athens and we're, uh, we're getting towards the end of the second missionary journey. So if you have your Bibles tonight, open up to Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Bible says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshipped God as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus in the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting. Because what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time, look at this, on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. These folks sat around and talked about ideas. Nothing new, nothing productive, just endless, idle talk. Have you ever been in one of those conversations? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're thinking, this is going nowhere? Why are we in this conversation? Paul shows up and several things happened here. I don't want you to, I think this is the observation. First of all, Paul arrives in Athens. And while he's waiting it says he becomes distressed because he walked around their city and he saw that the city was full of idols. He was broken for their city. I want to read that Bible verse again. Verse 16 says he was deeply distressed. Why? Because he saw the city was full of idols. He's just walking around. And he thought, oh no. This is tragic. These people don't know the Lord. These people are lost. 
These people do not know Jesus. They're worshiping a false God. Paul was broken for the city of Athens. He was concerned about what he saw and witnessed. Listen, when is the last time you were broken for your city, your state, your nation? Does it bother you that there's liquor stores, there's gambling places all around us, there's places, there's strip clubs all around here. Any opportunity to sin that comes into our city should break us. Do you know the truth is some of us have not been broken for our city in a long time. It's just how it goes. It's just how our city is. As times are changing. I mean, I remember... It was 2000, I guess about 2007, 2008. I had not lived in the, the city not too long in Georgia. I had been the pastor of a church there in Coweta County, Georgia. And in this area, about four or five miles from where I lived, this man, he apparently owned numerous um, stores that sold adult entertainment products and he wanted to open one in our hometown and our city did not have one and he went and applied for a business license with the uh, city council and the, now this is remember about 12 years ago or so 13 years ago. And the whole Christian community, not just churches, even the school, I mean, they came and opposed it. And they said the uh, meeting, I didn't actually go to the meeting, but they said it was packed. You couldn't even get in where they were. And they voted no at first, but he kept reapplying for it. He had to get an attorney. And, and he just stayed on it for a couple of years, a couple of three years. And he basically just wore that group down. And it started out with this great opposition to eventually he got past. And then when the store opened, there were like protesters out. And now it's just another store. Now it's just something you drive by and you just, you just kind of hope the kids don't look that way. You don't look at it. And I think that's kind of what happens when your city is being overtaken by sin. When there's idols all over the place, it just becomes part of the landscape. It's just who we are. It's just another store. And at one point, it was repulsive. And you wanted nothing to do with it. But then all of a sudden, well, you know, times are changing. I guess if that's what those folks want to do. If that's what floats their boat, if it helps the economy, if it creates jobs, 
And the tragic thing about it is that's what happened with the Athenians. They had just accepted that this was going to be a country, this would be a city that would be filled with idols. You know what else we see here is in verse 17, he took action. After he saw the city, he thought, I've got it. In fact, in fact I've, got, I've got some bullet points up here. This is Paul in Athens. This is what he did. And I think this is a good kind of a blueprint for us. When you want to start taking back Lexington for Jesus, you want to start praying for your city, you want to pray for your state or your country, this is a way to do it. First, you have to see your city. I think a lot of us, we don't even know our city. We don't even see our city. When's the last time we really looked at the poverty and the pain and the suffering and the crime all around us and the hurt, the brokenness, the lostness, the addiction? You know, I'm so proud of Zach. He said, you know, they're reaching such a great need for our youth group to partner with local schools and help provide food with them. How exciting is that for our church to be able to engage with our, the local schools here. It's such a need. He saw the city. Do you see our city? Do you see the poverty all around us? Not only did he see the city, he felt the city. It says he became distressed. He's broken over his city. I want to tell you our fear. Our culture of laziness, of just, uh, of being very lax, it has crept into our lives. We are no longer even bothered by some of the things we see. There's no, you don't, you don't feel it anymore. You have to see it and you feel it. That's what it means to be distressed. Do you remember the plagues in Egypt? Remember the ninth plague, the plague of darkness? It was described by Moses as a darkness that could be felt. Meaning, it was so evil, so dark, you could actually feel it on you. You knew this is not right. There's an evilness. You can literally feel the evil around you. That's what it means to fill the city. Until you fill the city and you get broken over it, you're not going to do the third one. And the third one, we're about to see what he does. He, take, he took action. Paul engaged the city. That meant he says, okay, I see these folks are lost. I see these fo folks need the Lord. I'm going to engage them with the gospel. I'm going to take the good news and be bold in the preaching and the teaching of God's word. So what does he do in verse 17? It says, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God in the marketplace every day. He went to the church house and he went to Walmart, the marketplace, and he says, I'm going to start building community with folks that are in existing places and start preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ. You have to start somewhere. So he's going to the synagogue, he's going to the grocery store, he's going to the marketplace. And the first thing they do, they start mocking him. They start calling him a show-off. Like, who does this guy think he is? Who comes in to my city, Athens, and starts telling me what to believe? 
But you know, the great thing about um, ministry is you're always going to get a mixed response. Paul had a lot of folks mocking him, but the truth is also, he had a lot of folks who were wanting to learn more. They, they, it says in verse 20, because what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. So they were, they, they were engaged. They thought, well, I, this, is, this is interesting. I've never heard this teaching of the resurrection. This guy is coming, and he's got a new teaching about Jesus. I want to learn about him. In that description, all their time doing nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Look at verse 21 here on the board. Because I think if you and I aren't careful, we don't want to find ourselves drifting into Athenian culture. Are you this way? Do you spend your time on nothing else but telling and hearing something new? I know you're sitting at home right now. Here we are, first Sunday in April. You're watching TV, way too much TV. You've been sucked into the news. Just watching the numbers go up. Living in fear. And Christ is saying, there is more than that. Do not just find yourself listening and waiting for the next news report. Fox News should not run your, run your life. Or CNN or MSNBC or ABC. Listen, Christ is calling us for a life of engaging our city. Instead of just sitting around being unproductive, how can you do something for Jesus? Even in these unique circumstances. It bothered Paul that he saw these folks are idle. The Bible warns us about being a busybody or an idle or an idle life. Remember the old time he's saying an idol's mind is a devil's workshop. Meaning, if you have nothing to do, you're going to get into trouble. Something bad is going to happen. So keep going here in your Bible. Look here at verse 22. This is what they call the Areopagus. The Areopagus is what they, it was known as what the, it's actually translated as Mars Hill. This is a hill there in Athens. And they had all their different Greek gods. And the god of Ares is the god of war. So he had apparently a hill there. And they would go there. And they would, I guess you would just go and share what you believed. It was kind of like a, um, it's kind of like the Fox News of the day. Here are your thoughts. Here's what I think that was going on. Here's my commentary on the world of what I believe. So you're like, well, I guess it's New Day. It's Sunday night. I guess I'll just go to the Areopagus and going and listen to what other folks are up to, listen to what they're saying. So Paul's getting an opportunity to go to this hill called Mars Hill, which was Areopagus, and he's going to basically preach a sermon to him. He's going to use the opportunity that they're interested in because he is a skilled preacher. He knows what he's talking about. He's going to use the opportunity to share the good news with them. 
and he's going to start where they're at. He's going to basically take what they believe and start uh, start appealing to uh, a, to a, what we call general revelation. We're about to look at the two different types of revelation here. I'm going to show you what he's going to do. He's going to do general revelation, which is all around us. That's nature. That's the reality that God exists. And then he's going to move it to special revelation. Special revelation is scripture. Scripture is here's what God has done in our life and is shown to us through special intervention. Basic nature, life, earth is general revelation. The, the Bible says the heavens point to creation. Earth, everything around us, life points to a God. But the good news is, there's also general revelation doesn't save you. You still need special revelation. That's where the gospel, the good news, comes in. So that's what Paul's going to do. So look here in your Bible. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. The Bible goes on to say, Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. And therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. So what he just did, Paul just took that section there about how the Lord has created earth, He's made human hands. He's made everything in this world. That's what we call general revelation. He's taken this general revelation. He says, you know, all the surroundings around here, God has made this. Now, we acknowledge that. In fact, you even have an inscription to an unknown God. And here's the God I want to declare to you. What general revelation today is, say you know somebody who's very depressed. They're struggling, they're hurting, they're sitting at home, and they're thinking about ending their life. They're thinking about doing something terribly wrong. And the powerful thing is, we as believers take that and say, you know, you're struggling with this emotion. Let me tell you about Jesus. Paul's looking around, so I see you're really religious and you got a lot of good things going on here. Now let me tell you about who created all this and what all this means. It's like he's using it as a platform or a diving board. He's using it as his end to present the gospel. And I think for us, we have to look for our way of a way of, of meeting needs here in the community. I'm like, think right now. Think about ways we could use just basic community needs here in our city. Schools still have people they need to feed. It's a great need. That's a need that needs to be met. Think about soon 
folks are going to have, I mean, they've got to go to the doctor. They've got to have groceries. They have to have uh, deliveries. They need to be checked out, make sure they're not sick. I mean, just basic following up with people, making sure they're okay, making sure they're getting by. That is, uh, you know, you, you already have a pandemic going on. You're just making sure, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? How are you holding up? Do you have all your supplies? You need you got any appointments you need to go to? And that, that's what Paul's using. He's using existing needs to communicate the gospel. And there's needs all around us for us. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 26. 25. 25 up here on the board. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. So God gives us everything we need. He's saying, you know, everything you have actually comes from the Lord. Verse 26 goes on to say, From one man, from one man, who's Jesus, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries where they live. Through, through, so basically from Jesus, through Jesus Christ, he controls the world. And all these determined times, God is in con- total control of everything. All nationalities, all boundaries, all we have comes from this one man. Who is this one man? Who has determined my appointed time? Verse 27 goes on to say, He did this, God, Jesus, so they might seek God. And perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Meaning he's acknowledging. Hey. Guys you're very close. He's, he's very near. All you have to do is reach out. And literally receive him. And respond to him as Lord. Verse 28. For in him we live. And move and have our being. As even though some of our own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. So he even took one of their inscriptions. He's using their own poets and he's using it as a launching pad. He's saying, here's what you believe. Here's one of your inscriptions and here's the meaning of it. Here's how to take you this and teach the gospel. It's a very wise missionary technique. You know, we're praying for wisdom throughout the month of April. We're looking at, we're looking at here of what God is speaking to us about being wise. And we see the wisdom of Paul of how he's engaging his city. Verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. This is now special revelation. He's saying God no longer overlooks this stuff. He's commanding you. He's giving you this word so you can repent. He's giving you the gospel of Jesus. 
And that's a command that continues today. Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he is appointed, by Jesus. Jesus Christ will judge us. He has provided proof of this by raising to everyone, by raising him from the dead. When they heard about this resurrection of the dead, look at this. Look at the response. This is our response today. Some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Aperiogite, a woman from Demarius, and others with him. As always, some people respond, some people mock him. And I think what we see here is Paul's technique, is Paul used the best ability he had. He looked at their city. He saw what was missing. And he recognized, I'm going to use these things here that you have as a springboard to actually teach you about Jesus Christ. And for us, how would we do this? You go here, our city, there's great depression, there's great lostness. We go into Lexington and say, hey, a lot of folks here are suffering from alcoholism. Here's what Jesus can free you from. A lot of you are suffering from broken families. Here's how Jesus can put your family back together and give you hope. Many of you here are just depressed. Here's how Jesus can give you the peace to pull you out of this and get you through this season of uncertainty. Christ is telling us and commanding to us that we take all the brokenness and lostness and what should cause distress, what should create bother for us. And we use that as a springboard of sharing the good news. Paul went to Athens. We live in an Athens today. Athens today is people sitting around being unproductive. Not even being concerned. Not even being bothered that their city is full of idols. Our city and our nation is full of idols. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? What, what are some idols? Here's a soccer ball. Do you miss sports? Sports can be an idol. Here's an iPad. Are you, have you been addicted lately to technology? This here is an idol if you're spending hours and hours on this. A TV. Have you been watching your TV? Show and movie after that. Not only that, guys, I mean, you think about it. You could just be sitting around. Maybe you used to be a guy, you sleep six, seven hours a day, and you're just, you're sitting in the bed, you're sitting in the house, you're just wasting time. You're in bed 14, 15 hours. Just lay, moping around, unproductive life. Jesus is saying, I did not die on a cross for you to live an idle life. Now, obviously, we have to practice social distancing. But this is a time 
that I'm inviting you to give your time to Jesus. Make the most of this month of April. Today is what we call Palm Sunday. Jesus entered Jerusalem. They waved palm branches and said, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. They thought he was about to be the king. They thought he was going there to become the father of the lineage of David. Jesus was going to wear a crown of thorns, not to wear a crown of gold. It was completely unexpected. And I think for us, as we cry out, and Jesus says, you remember the Pharisees tried to silence the people who were cheering him on. And he said, if they don't cry out, these rocks, these rocks will cry out. And what Jesus is saying is, if it's not going to come from our lips, he's going to raise it up from creation. Either way, the name of the Lord will be praised. And Jesus Christ tonight is inviting you, just like Paul went into Athens sharing the gospel, I'm inviting you tonight to have that same boldness, the same passion for crying out, for calling out for Jesus, for our great city. I want to lead us in a prayer. This would be a prayer of brokenness. It's a prayer that I want us to be distressed and to really just be bothered by the idols all around us. So I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to, I'm going to lead us. And I want you to bow down where you're at. In your living room, on your bed, wherever you're at, you get on your knees right now. Just like Paul, he was hurt because he saw all this wickedness in Athens. And he thought, I, I can't, I got to do something about it. He saw the city, he felt the city, and he engaged the city. And praying for your city is a way to engage your city. So I want you to get on your knees right now at your house. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And we're going to pray for our city, pray for our country, and we're going to engage. We're going to fill the need. Do you know, when you get, when you get close to the Lord, there should be something that moves inside of you and says, I need to do more, God. And Paul did that. And that he was moved inside when it says, the Bible says he was distressed. What right now are you distressed over? Listen, the great thing about our Lord, the great thing about God and what's going on, is we trust the Lord. We know the coronavirus is not going to end the world. We know Jesus is coming back for his church. Jesus has already told us how to end. The book of Revelation tells us about that. So we know this is not. Now, this could be the beginning of birth pains. This could be of one of the four horsemen. We know that's coming. We don't know about that, but we know coronavirus will not be the end. I want you to pray. Go on your knees. Let's pray for our city. God, I pray for Lexington. I pray for the state of Kentucky. I pray for America. Lord, I pray that we are broken because our city
Our state, our nation is like Athens. We are full of idols. And Lord, I pray tonight, here on Palm Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem. He was broken over Jerusalem. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. Lord, let's weep over our city. Jesus, I pray tonight that we see how Paul responded and we respond the same way. Lord, drive us to our knees. Jesus, I pray that we are bold in the gospel and we engage. Lord, give us a passion for you. Cleanse us of our sins. Make our hearts new. Jesus, I pray that you restore us, you renew us. And Lord, I just pray that you just uh, continue to bless us. Jesus, I give you this prayer. I pray for the folks watching and listening. Pray for the coronavirus that, Lord, you remove it. And we're back here in your house worshiping and serving you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to close with this. You've been watching this service. You've been reading here. Reading through Proverbs. We're in Proverbs chapter 5. Keep reading a proverb a day. You're reading through the gospel of Acts. Because we're going through on Sunday nights here at church. Gospel of Acts. I want to encourage you to give. Your faithful stewardship is able to, is, is allowing us able to continue to do this. Our church is still doing ministry. We're staying in touch with you. We'll post a link here on this, uh, on this broadcast so that you can certainly give online. You can obviously always mail your offering here to the church. The mailman runs every day. You can give through text to give, however you want to give. I just want to encourage you to certainly be faithful. What, what, what does Lexington need right now? Lexington needs men and women on their knees praying for this city. It needs churches that are out engaging with gospel ministry. So glad we're part of a wonderful church. And I thank you for your continued financial stewardship here at Broadway Baptist. Have a wonderful week here for Easter.